This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from Season 3, Episode 30, our preview episode for the International Liver Congress 2022. This conversation continues from the end of Conversation 2, still talking about the study about quality of life. I start by commenting that Stephen's point about the need to bring this into discussion is excellent, and I had two comments about that. The first is that the clinicians who help design clinical trials are probably better empowered to get these into clinical trials as endpoints than anybody else because they can share with their clients the experience and compassion based on dealing with patients, and they can talk about the way to most effectively drive it into the trial. My second comment was from a marketing perspective, which is that if accepted fully, this might lead forecasters to increase their estimates of population target size because we should be treating more patients if the impact on quality of life is as serious as demonstrated in this study. And it seems that whether you catch quality of life issues in simple steatosis or at F1 or F2, you will have a meaningful impact on patient lives. And as I say, that might increase quality of life and how we forecast. Louise goes on to note that those quality of life metrics will also play out in terms of work days, lost quality of work efficiency, and things like that. Finally, Jorn follows up by identifying a poster, TH051, that folks from his group are presenting on Thursday that demonstrates a similar finding related to HIV. Stephen compliments Jorn on doing this work and, in general, on the importance of taking quality of life measures and getting them out to primary care, which is where they've got to be delivered. I close by commenting that this seems like a great area for digital health therapeutics. And I go back to Stephen's comment about liver trials and said this might be reflective of a deeper truth. We talked the week before about liver volume and that liver volume might be related to quality of life because it might drive levels of pain. We should think of all that holistically in the context of trials going forward. These conversations go into depth on some of the most intriguing issues today around patient screening, classification, and treatment. Some have conclusions that will change stakeholders' perspectives about NAFLD and NASH. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Stephen, I think those points are excellent. And I've got two thoughts. First of all, the individuals who probably can have the greatest impact on getting this stuff into trials are the I'm not putting a bullseye on you, are the people who are both clinicians and help folks design trials. Because if you're not a clinician and you aren't focused on seeing patients in the reality of practice, you're going to miss this stuff. And because of the relationship between how trials get done and when marketing research gets done, it's not likely to get picked up in a lot of other places. But clinicians who are involved in trial design are the ones to say, hey, listen, this matters more than you know, number one. Number two, from a marketing perspective, I thought this study was incredibly powerful because right now we've got doctors all over over the world saying to patients, you've got fatty liver, but don't worry about it. And you got this study saying that if you've got steatosis all the way up to cirrhosis, certainly up to to fibrosis of F3, you're going to have a negative impact on quality of life. And whether you catch it simple, steatosis or at F1 or F2, same deal. So to all these people who are saying it doesn't matter, we should be taking quality of life and depression screens on these folks and seeing if in fact it does matter, right? Because if it's affecting your quality of life in any way and we can treat it, we should be treating it. And we don't even think about that right now. So I think those are two separate issues, but the marketing side might be one of the motivators that the folks who are helping the clinicians design trials use to understand that as you talk about quality of life, you're actually expanding the target population immensely. Louise Campbell. Yes, but if you take it one step further, one in four of the global population have fatty liver. Most of them don't have NASH. Those are people who work for a living. And if we're saying that the quality of life is poorer in those patients, not only does it affect the NASH 
studies affects the working population. We've already seen the Easel Lancet report in December say that liver disease and poor liver health basically was the second leading cause of working lives lost. But we've got presenteeism, we've got poor concentration, we've got all of the common things that happen with fat in the liver. So it is a massive problem. It's not just for the clinical trials. And if you've got liver fat in a fatty liver population, you also have liver fat in most of the other clinical trials for any other disease, particularly cardiovascular. We're just not measuring them. We're just not doing anything other than a blood test to rule out liver damage. So if you extrapolate it even further, the quality of life studies in most of the other studies for diabetes and cardiovascular are adversely affected by the liver fat in that population. That all makes sense to me. My comment was from the perspective of what could I prove as a marketer or as a marketing researcher or as a forecaster. And these are things I can prove. Significant portion of the population, quarter or three-eighths, big numbers, have fatty liver disease that 80% of those will never progress to fibrosis, right? So why would we worry about treating those folks at all? The answer is because their quality of life gets dinged in a major way, particularly, as Jorn points out, if they have diabetes or, or concomitant conditions. The three they listed were diabetes, osteoporosis, depression. I think depression is an aftermath. You are depressed because of all this or you're more likely to be depressed because of all this other stuff. But you can, you can see where osteoporosis and diabetes would be at the front end, depression would be at the back end. But we're not even thinking about that. So if a patient comes in and they're depressed and you don't have markers for, check their liver. And if you find it in their liver, treat their liver. And that will expand the treatable population for the disease in a way that is completely ethical, but we would not have been thinking about if we weren't thinking about the uh, feel measure of, uh, you know, if feel and sur- feel fit survive, which is why I think this matters so much commercially. Yarn shot. Roger, if I may follow up here, I'm just going to come in sliding here for a second and say that uh, we have a similar abstract submitted in a a population that's uh, diagnosed been living with HIV. It fits in nicely, so I'm just going to quickly wind this up here before I'll hand over to Stephen. Because this is an abstract, we're going to be presenting it on Thursday. It's uh, abstract number uh, 0051, and first presenter is going to be Maurice uh, Michel, a fellow of mine. And we have a fairly big patient group with diagnosed with HIV, we used uh, CAP and VCTE to define hepatic steatosis in that group, and uh, we used the cutoff of 275 decibel per meter. The, the prevalence of hepatic steatosis was actually 25% in that group, and we used the same tools as in the abstract previously here, uh, the EQ5D5L, and, and actually it comes out similarly. It's not depending on the advanced fibrosis, or at least we didn't uh, look at it from that way here. It's the presence of hepatic steatosis that impairs uh, the quality of life, and importantly, the dimensions of mobility and pain and discomfort were significantly lower in uh, the population of patients living with HIV and exhibiting uh, hepatic steatosis compared to those patients living with HIV and not being positive for hepatic steatosis. You know, this is a population we're normally not looking at. They have a lot of problems, social, educational, uh, financial, and even in that population, if you're exhibiting hepatic steatosis, mobility and pain and discomfort are significantly worse compared to a non-hepatic steatosis person living with HIV. Stephen Harrison. Yeah, just to compliment Yorn on the on the work that, that he's done. I mean, I think there, there can't be enough of this. We need more of this data just to augment the data that, that Louise mentioned as well. Circling back to the point you made, Roger, we have to do a better job of getting this recognized in the literature and then translating that into some tangible 
communication to primary care providers that we need to do more than just say you've got fat in your liver, lose weight, you're good. But let's spend a bit of time diving into how that patient is really doing relative to the fatty liver. And look, I get it. You don't have, there's not enough time to do everything. But at some point, at some visit, there should be a discussion about quality of life. I'll be the first to admit I don't do it in my clinic. I don't have enough time to do it. But the more and more I hear about this, the more I read about it, you know, I'm convicted we need to spend a little bit of time on this. And where work like your and your fellow, where they can guide us is tell us what the most important things are that we need to be asking relative to quality of life. Stephen, I think that's a great point. And it raises two thoughts in my mind. One, this seems tailor-made for digital therapeutics, right? This is the kind of thing. It's easy to scale and get people to answer. You can turn it into, uh, you, you can use gaming and projectives and all kinds of techniques that work out well in digital therapeutics and nudges as a way to get accurate answers from people. And um, because it isn't, Stephen, it isn't just tell us about the questions we should be asking. It's you have the sensitivity to ask those questions in a way that your patient knows you mean it and the answer they give you is reflective of a deeper truth. But most of the doctors I see, if they ask the question, it's because they know they're supposed to ask the question and it feels like pretty pro forma. Lay doctors, not, not the academics, number one. Second thing is this. You and I don't remember if we were talking about this last week or two weeks ago, but one of the things you were going to talk about, I think, today was maybe liver volume. And liver volume feels to me like one of those subjects, right? Liver volume leads to an increase in pain. Increase in pain relates to quality of life. So it might have, liver volume might have an import that goes beyond the effect it has on fibrosis per se. And if we turn more to think about the quality of patients life, that might be one of the things we pay more attention to. Just a thought. I think with that, Stephen, you're up. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with three episodes, a pre-easel episode on Monday and same-day recordings both Friday and Saturday. Please join us for all of them. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. <laughs>